0: Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on LocalJobNetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and this is Management Decisions, a podcast to give you some insight and strategy into the topics many employers and management personnel may focus on. Now, we hear plenty of talk about millennials and how they need to be handled differently as employees, but what about the impact they'll be making when it comes to leadership and executive roles? Joel Citron is joining us to talk about some guidelines for millennials and their potential role in business and the workplace. Joel is the CEO of Tenth Avenue Holdings in New York, and he's actually been focusing a little bit on this particular group. Joel, thanks for coming on the show today.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me on your show, Tim. I look forward to uh, having a nice discussion with you.
0: Yeah, it's a it's obviously a topic, as I mentioned, that people are always interested in. It seems like nowadays, but I wanted to start with asking about your organization, Tenth Avenue Holdings. Just tell the listeners a little bit of what you're all about, and maybe how. 10th Avenue Holdings is a little different than other firms in the industry.
1: Sure. Absolutely. I'd, I'd be delighted to. 10th Avenue Holdings, uh, or TAH as we like to call it, was established or uh, formed in late 2008. A couple of partners, including myself, uh, decided that we wanted to spend our time and efforts working we building companies over the long term through mentoring of uh, talented people without having any restrictions on what we could or couldn't do, whether it was uh, starting businesses, whether it was building them or taking over from someone else having started it, or acquiring businesses. We wanted to do it with our own capital, not with any outside capital. So we're we're not a fund and we deploy our own capital and we have a net worth or capital base, if you will, well in excess of half a billion dollars. And uh, the reason why I wanted to use own capital is we wanted to be able to work with people and with companies mm-hmm. following the entire arc of, uh, of how a business develops and grows. So much uh, in today's world is about quarterly earnings, data points, uh, I want to call them. Uh, people spend uh, a lot of time on... Uh, on things that are knowable and unimportant as opposed to uh, the things that are knowable and very important. So uh, we try to focus on a few issues. And one of those issues is really how do we mentor people? How do we have them grow in our organization? And how do we grow in companies that we invest in? And uh, we're really not constrained uh, in terms of time, we're not looking to invest in a business and get out in three to five years. Uh, we want to own and operate businesses uh, for the duration. And, uh, and we look, look for people who have similar views of the
0: world. Well, you mentioned that sort of long-term vision. I think that is something that stands out when it comes to your organization. You brought up the idea of developing and growing a business and maybe what that takes, what some of the challenges are. How have you seen that change in the last 10, 20 years in terms of what needs to be done or what the challenges are in trying to create that successful business or grow it in many cases?
1: I actually think the quality in terms of leadership are the same today as they were 20 years ago or 25 years ago. I think, however, that the access and the amount of information that people receive in leadership positions, or as they develop towards leadership positions, is exponentially larger than than it was 20 or 25 years ago, and it requires an extraordinary ability to not get distracted by data Mm. points or excessive frivolous information, if you will but being able to stay focused on what the original mission of, of the business was and uh, really be a, a mission-driven person in building a mission-driven company. And I think it is harder to do that because of the amount of data, information, and uh, misinformation, and also uh, the extraordinary pressure to react quickly to uh, jump around and and try to follow uh, the latest trend or whatever have you. And uh, we try to encourage uh, people that we work with to really stay true to a few strong concepts and uh, hone those skills uh, that you and your team have, if you will, and not get distracted. I think it's very challenging. I think it's very, very challenging. For people, I think for young people who uh, have grown up communicating uh, via Facebook, via text message, uh, sure. via Twitter, I think that there is a perhaps a reactive nature that develops from that to take data points and make them larger than they, they actually are also to, in certain circumstances, shy away from that interpersonal face-to-face mentoring that you really need to do in order to build strong organizations and and really establish yourself as a strong leader.
0: I think you bring up some great points there as far as the, the data for one and all that information that's out there. You feel like you need to use all that and then sort of as a uh, a partner with that is the instant contact and, and sort of the non-face-to-face um, information that we get. So I, I do appreciate you bringing up those issues. With that in mind, you mentioned the idea of young people. And of course, that's they're sort of been born into this technology and, and the ways of communicating. So when you look at comparing maybe the characteristics of previous generations, say the, the baby boomers, to the millennials, because we're talking about that sort of transition here, what do you see as those differences, and and maybe the important areas you need to focus on when it comes to millennials being in you know executive type positions, managers, founders, those sort of areas? I'm a
1: tail end baby boomer. I was born in 1962, so I'm a I'm a tail end, and I don't know exactly. I forget what you called that group of people uh, between the baby boomers and the millennials, but I think that. The ability to, uh, to sit down and, and have sort of long, in-depth uh, conversations away from uh, communication devices is something that is uh, lacking among millennials. And obviously, as we came uh, into the business world, there was no uh, Twitter, there was no Facebook, there, there was no email and no Internet. And it made for, uh, if you will, it made for less activity. And Mm. I try to tell, and we work with a lot of millennials, and I'll try to tell the people who are perhaps, in most cases, much smarter than I am, uh, (laughs) but perhaps not quite as experienced yet. Right. Uh, I I try to tell them that, look, you never get rewarded for activity. You only get rewarded for being right. And the only way to be right consistently is to take stock of where you are, where the business is, where your colleagues are, and you can only do that by stepping back and thinking as opposed to feeling that you have to act or react uh, to everything that happens around you. I believe that's a uh, that's a differentiator uh, between uh, the baby boom generation and the millennial generation. They want to act and they look at their careers as uh, how much activity do I engage in? And I think that leads to uh, perhaps wanting uh, more things sooner than is realistically possible. Mm -hmm. And perhaps impatience when uh, you should have a little more patience. Having said that, I think it's it's an extraordinary generation. I think the creativity, I think the drive, And the willingness to take risk is all there. And it's leading to uh, an extraordinary wave of innovation and invention in our economy. So I can't say that it's not a great generation. I'm going to say on the contrary. But there are certain things that they should listen to us baby boomers about, if you want to call it that. And, uh, And if you take it down to one important lesson, it's that don't just run out there and think activity is the right answer. It really, really can never get you uh, to the right place. You need to focus on being right with one or two great ideas and sticking to it and having some patience as well.
0: Well, it is fascinating you bring up the idea of, of course, sort of this generation, if you will, wanting things quickly and maybe a little impatience at times, or as you're coming to it from sort of that long-term idea. So when you're speaking maybe with an organization or you're working with an organization, Who are dealing with millennials and sort of this idea, how do you sort of, I don't know, play with that a little bit and say, okay, we understand this is your personality, but this is our suggestion with it. Where's that balance? How do you sort of teach that, mentor that, coach that up so that there isn't this enormous clash when they're trying to lead?
1: So. The most important thing when we find investment or acquisition opportunities, if you will, or when we meet a young, bright person and we decide to uh, put our money where our mouth is or where that person's mouth is, if you will, and back them in their business endeavors, the first thing we do is we try and understand whether or not they believe in uh, in business as a long-term arc as opposed mm-hmm. to uh, stochastic events that you need to hit home runs off of. And uh, we will not do anything unless unless the leader or the CEO, if you will, of any of those businesses share, share the willingness to uh, be patient, to look at a business, not from the point of view that three years down the road, you can sell the business at a higher multiple or whatever have you. But a business is fundamentally about Building it towards uh, steadily increasing free cash flow generation. So that's number one. And number two, uh, we will not do anything unless that CEO understands his or her role as a as a mentor to his or her organization. And mentoring means sitting down, understanding people, and uh, and. A lot of our businesses, for instance, we we have a large presence uh, in the e-commerce space, and in e-commerce, uh, most of the people who work and work with us in those companies are millennials. Mm-hmm. Our approach is uh, we a reward them with uh, with equity participation, but b we think and very much believe in uh, in the mentoring slash apprenticeship relationship that they have with their CEO or COO or CFO and uh, in many cases with us as uh, controlling shareholders to be able to sit down and, and discuss the business and their relationship to the business and what their contributions can be over time and trying to teach them that if they look at their own careers and the fact that they, as, as, as youngsters, if you will, have very long arcs in their careers, that they can acquire uh, life, uh, work-life balance uh, with us, that they can acquire great skills, uh, insights, and we're always uh, willing to invest uh, and further develop people uh, through continuing education or whatever it may be, and that they can also create wealth for themselves. And and, uh, if they have families or eventually have families can create wealth that is enduring wealth for themselves and their families. And and those are some of the highlights that we try to hit, unless we feel that the leaders or key C-level people in the organizations that we get involved with understand that and are willing to take the time on an individual basis with key people in their organizations, we're just not going to go forward. We're, we're not a, a, a company that tries to do deal after deal after deal. If we can do one or two uh, really good things every year... We're very happy. That means 30 years from now, we'll have a we'll have a successful uh, company, and more importantly, we'll have a number of a large number of successful uh, team members uh, and partners who hopefully will be able to contribute to the world uh, on a long-term basis going forward, both in the for-profit and non-for-profit world, which we we value very highly.
0: And I was going to ask quickly, how often? has it come up where you've had to turn turn away from an organization or turn them down, maybe if they approached you even, from investing in them because you just didn't feel it was an actual match for you? How often is that happening, especially when you're looking at this millennial generation?
1: I think uh, it happens, uh, I'm not going to say on a daily basis, but it happens uh, at least once or twice a month that we simply say, look, we think you your, your idea is great. We think you have some potential, but it's just not a. It's just not a good fit for us. You feel that we should sort of bow down to you for being your partner, and uh, we view the world as uh, nobody should bow down to anybody. We should respect each other, and we should build businesses together. So there is a set little bit of an entitlement and uh, and desire to be, you know, if uh, if Twitter did it, the people at Twitter or, or the Google guys or or whoever it may have been. If they hit the cover off the ball, uh, we're going to do it too, and you should pay us for our potential success today, and you should reward us today because we tell you to, and that just doesn't work with us. Mm-hmm. So it happens quite often, and and you know, long term, I. I certainly, and my partners and I, we worry about that with this generation. We worry that we lived through an extraordinary time of some successes, but obviously Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and those are, it's sort of self-selecting because we never hear about the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of failures.
0: Right, right. right.
1: There is a sense that it's easy to do this and uh, money has been plentiful over the last several years. As you know, there's been a fair amount of money printed and you can't get a decent return or you can't get a return on uh, interest-bearing or yield-type assets. So people have been pushing for riskier and riskier and riskier assets. And as a result of that, the competition for, I'm going to say, millennial-type companies have risen dramatically, but it's not really going to end well. That excessive capital being thrown at uh, relatively inexperienced managers and with uh, ideas that are attractive, but perhaps valuations that are unattractive that never ends really well. And uh, I think there's been a somewhat of an inflation in terms of people's expectations of what their worth is and what their contribution is. And, and we worry about that.
0: Sure. Well, again, Joel, we do appreciate you coming on and talking about this subject. I think it it is very interesting. You brought up some very uh, thought-provoking points as far as moving forward. And I did want to give you the last opportunity here as we are up against the time here. If you're looking forward, maybe the next 10, 20 years what are you seeing as far as a change you mentioned you know some concern about the the way things are going now with with some of the uh, again you said that, you know instant gratification sort of that a lot of these groups are looking for, but what do you see as far as the challenges or what might be changing in the next ten to twenty years um positively or negatively
1: oh wow that's um Tim it's a great question and uh if i if I knew that um <laughs> I'd probably, uh, I'd, I'd probably be uh, a very sought-after person. I, I will say that from a macro point of view, I, I do think uh, we have a lot of challenges ahead of us in the United States. Uh, we uh, obviously have debt levels and social issues that need to be uh, resolved, and eventually that's going to show up, I believe, in the cost of capital, and when that shows up in the cost of capital, it's going to be much, much more difficult for emerging companies and established companies to uh to fund their operations and uh i am concerned about that i believe in the creativity and ingenuity of america and uh i think we have extraordinary talent in our country and we got to make sure we harness that talent and we give them every opportunity to succeed. And that's going to require, I think, some significant policy changes over time. But I do believe that's a that's a different topic. And um, you said you're running out of time. So I don't think I should go, go down that line. I, quite frankly, have a hard time understanding and seeing what's going to happen uh, 12 months from now. So uh, I think I'm I'm out of my depth here. All I can, we can do, and all we focus on, is uh, the things that we can control, and uh, that's managing our companies and mentoring our colleagues who work in those companies. But I appreciate I appreciate this opportunity very much, Tim, and it's been a true pleasure. Uh,
0: being on the show with you. Oh no, and we appreciate your sort of honest look into what's going on now. And and as you said, you obviously can't predict what's going to happen in the future, but clearly uh, your organization is looking to take steps to possibly help in that regard. But we are out of time here on this edition of Management Decisions, again, talking about some guidelines for millennials and, and working with them into the future, especially you're talking about leadership roles and organizations themselves that they're creating and looking to run. Our expert guest today has been Joel Citron, CEO of 10th Avenue Holdings. In New York. Joel, thank you once again for coming on. We do appreciate your time.
1: Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you again.
0: And of course, we also want to hear from you, the listeners. If you have any comments or suggestions, just shoot an email to LJN Radio at LocalJobNetwork.com. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.